So I want to, um, I want you to do the preaching today because I'm kind of lazy. And uh, oh, by the way, I was a pastor for 22 years then. I worked in inner city for a while and uh, I met my dear wife here, Stella, in uh, Miami. She was working with Campus Crusade for Christ and we were both called down there to uh, work in an inner city project and <clears throat> we got married there in, in Miami. And uh, then we traveled, and I did a lot of things. I was an electrician for five years and learned what it was to be a normal person before I was a pastor, because a lot of pastors never know what it's like to work a regular job, and they expect people to put in all kinds of time in the church. And they say, why can't they do it? I put in 40 hours here. Yeah, they put in 40 hours there, and then you expect 12 hours here, and, you know, so the pastor should put at least 52 or whatever. So anyways, it was really helpful for me to, <laughs> well, it's true. Yeah. Yeah, so anyways, it really helped me to learn what it was like to be a Christian in an everyday thing and witness to people on the construction crew where the language was pretty blue and, you know, the talk was all about girls and, you know, how do you get Jesus in here, but you learn how to do it. And uh, so I was really grateful for those years as an electrician and did some sales and toy buying and a lot of different things. And I got called as a pastor, had a puppet show for a while on television, and... Uh, I did a lot of variety. In fact, I think if anybody wants a songbook here, I wrote these songs. If anybody has children, like eh, from three to seven, I wrote these songs for um, for the TV program we had back then. And I'd be glad to give those a CD to people because otherwise they're going to be in my basement. <laughs> we sold them for a while, but <laughs> it takes too much time to distribute stuff. Yeah. Anyway. And uh, then I became pastor, and then after 22 years, um, Stella told me I was done. And she was right, <laughs> pastoring. said, you're, you're burned out on this, Gary. I didn't feel that burned out. I love pastoring. But I started, took a year off, and my ch our church supported us at, during that time. And then the Lord called me to start a, um, a college ministry called Prepare. And so we started uh, Bible studies on a variety of campuses. And uh, we're still doing that today. And then, but then um, the Lord's had me do some writing, and that's what I'm going to use today with you. We drew this. Uh, some of the Communitas people were familiar with this. We went through Draw Through the Bible. So we're going to do one thing today out of here. But that's where you come in. So if I didn't forget them, and I didn't, if we could pass these around. And I've got some pens. You're going to have to write today. It's just one sheet. Well, a lot of people look at this and they say, oh, draw through the Bible, that's for children. And I originally started with junior high kids, but it really is developed for more college age and young adults and whatever. We got enough here going around? Anyone should pass those around. Did they get back there? What have you got? Is this a new puppy? Yeah, Is Naomi's puppy? Come on. Is that a part of lab? And I've got some pens. Okay, who needs a pen? 
Need a pen? Need a pen? And by the way, here, how many of you have heard of life hacks? Life, yeah. life hack. Okay, I got a life hack for those of you. Yeah. We got another. Pass these around. Okay. Oh, there we got pens. All right, here comes the pens. Uh, good deal. And just for fun, why don't we give, because Stella's never been here before, so just go around and say your names really fast. Boom, 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 boom. That's right. Good. Tim. And Rosa, back here. Carol and Steve. Stella. Chris. Luke. Yeah. Greg. Sorry, Jason? I know you, but what's your name? That's right. And in the back we have? And what's the dog's name? Baylor. Baylor, okay. All right, well, two pens. And oh, I was going to give you a life hack here. If your pen doesn't work, you start writing there. There's two things to do with it. One is throw it away, because otherwise you put it back in and it doesn't work for the next person. Or, here's what you should do. Take your shoe, like this, and you go like this. And that will get that little dry ball in there moving where paper won't, because it'll grab it, and you just do it like that. So now that's a life hack. No extra offering or anything for all that. It'll pull, well, it'll roll the, it'll roll the ball around, so then it'll get wet again, because it's usually dry on the end. And so well, it's probably, I don't think it's drying it out. I think it's just melting that, burning up. I don't think it's drying anything. But anyway, there you go. There's your life hack for today. Yeah, it's all right. Can we have a little hand for that? That's a good one. Thank you. Got one hand. All right. That's good. All right. So, you need pens? Remember how to get that working if it doesn't work. Everybody's got rubber soles on. Okay, we're almost ready here. Um, I need, I need my notebook. Okay, what's the? F manual. By the way, these are, if any of you want to start small Bible studies and you don't know the Old Testament that well or where to start, these are, everything's in here that you can just read right through it and teach somebody the whole Old Testament. My wife even uses it. Mentor somebody, yeah. Yeah, and I tell you what, if my wife approves something that I do, believe me, it's really good because I <laughs> <laughs> she is uh, <laughs> she is uh well my pastor last week we were talking about evangelism and I'm an evangelist and so he used me for an example he had me stand up in the congregation and he was telling he was saying all these you know how people say real nice things when you know it's public so he was saying all the nice things about me and then he said something about and Gary's not impressed with himself and I said from the audience, neither is his wife. 
You know, if you know somebody, you're not that impressed with them. Yeah, so anyway. All right, so what we're going to talk about today, uh, uh, what is, hmm, uh, once in a while I don't feel free to just start talking, so I'm going to pray for a minute. I like the kind of informality here, so I'm just going to wait on the Lord for just a moment. Thank you, Lord. I, I just feel I need to tell you some things about Stella. Before we were ever married, Stella would pray for me like crazy. And I just would see uh, many times uh, where she just saw something ahead. She saw things about me that needed to be changed. She saw, but she wasn't critical. And she'd pray for things and they'd happen. I just saw her as a real woman of prayer. She was extremely patient. I would go into, we were working in the inner city, and um, uh, she would wait out in the car. I'd go into a dormitory or something, uh, because I worked with college, some college people and, and the inner city kids. And I'd go in the dorm, I'd be in there an hour or so, and she'd just wait patiently. It was just amazing. And I just want to encourage you young men and women, get somebody that matches you, and they may not be like you. We couldn't be any more different. She likes it cool, I like it hot. I mean, you know, if we have a sleep number bed, we don't have one of those things, but it'd be, you know, 15, 85, you know, I mean, we're just so different. She likes vanilla ice cream. I like it with anything you can put into it, you know, chocolate, caramel, cherries. I, I like it all like that. She's vanilla, please. I mean, we couldn't be more different in more things, but a perfect match because, you know, if we learn to love each other, then we see the the discrepancies in our life, we see the needs in our life, we, you know, if there's enough difference, and, and it, it could cause a lot of conflict, but it also can help us to see where we need to change, and Stella and I are just opposite in so many things, but it's just, she's been such a great partner, and I just thought God wanted me to say that and honor my wife, she needs more honor, she deserves it. So anyway, let us go on with Cain and Abel. <coughs> Um, what was the first sin? What was the first sin? No, not for, in, in the world. How many believe it was that they ate an apple? They ate the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. It was not an apple. That's right. How many believe that the first sin was pride? Now, I'm not going to try to trick you guys. Come on, you've got to vote a little bit here. No, all right, there's one. All right, what, what, what do the rest of you think the first sin was? Anger? You mean, um, I mean, uh, Adam and Eve? What did they do that was wrong? <laughs> We're giving them the... Yeah, but what was the sin that made them do it? They questioned God. There's a lot of ways you can describe this. They questioned God. It was pride. Satan was the first sinner, if you would, and he wanted to be like God without giving God the glory. And really, that was it. 
wanting to be like God without giving God the credit for being God. That was really the first sin. They wanted to know good and evil, not so that they could do evil. They wanted to have a set of rules that they could follow and call themselves good, but get the credit for it. That was really the first sin. It was self-righteousness, the desire to be good without God. That was the first sin, and it traces through all of the Bible. The great sin is self-righteousness. It's not murder, rape. Uh, it's, those are not the greatest sins. The greatest sins is trying to be good apart from God, which is a strange thing to be the worst sin, but it is. And after that sin, so that's, that's the first thing to scour your soul for is self-righteousness. And you'll find it when you judge other people, when you uh, look down on certain classes of people or certain shapes of people or certain, certain anything, when you find yourself judging others and, and finding yourself in better condition in that one thing, whether it's how they eat or anything, what church they go to. You know, any way that we make ourselves righteous apart from Jesus is the source of the worst sin and the source of all other sins. Because when we are taking the credit for being righteous, we are not connected with Jesus, and he's the source. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that's the source of goodness. And goodness is the deepest desire in your heart. You will lie, steal, and kill to prove that you're a good person. Believe me. That may sound strange, but it's biblical. Self-righteousness. So after that self-righteousness entered in, in other words, trying to be good without God, entered in, these people had children. And iniquity is the sins that we're born with. We're all born in sin. There is no such thing as an innocent baby. No such thing. That is... <laughs> from a mama of a two-month-old. <laughs> there is no such thing. Stella, Stella, you want to tell the story about Paul? About, about when he was six months old and the telephone rang. Good you're not an NFL player. Sorry? It's good you're not an NFL player. <laughs> so he has sitting there with his hands and started crying, and then he looked at me again and he told me And I said, Don't call. And I said, So he's sitting there with two hands in his lap. And he said, Fine, if you're looking at me, and he reaches over with his foot and pushes it off. Now, if you think that's an innocent child, you are wrong. <laughs> there is no such thing as pure innocence. We are all sinners. Now, the secret of life is to putting the finger, letting God's finger touch your sin, because your sin is the source of all problems you have in life. You may think it's other sinners. It's not. It's your sin that is your problem. And What's nice about it is you have control. You can't control other sinners around you. 
But you can control yourself through the power of Christ. And so to put your finger on your sin is a revelation that will transform your life if you want to be transformed. Most of us want to change our husbands, wives, girlfriends, boyfriends, mothers, fathers, bosses. That's what we want to change. And we can't. So what do we do? We get angry. But if you are angry, you are worried about someone else besides yourself. And you're not looking at your own sin. But if you get a finger that touches where you are having a problem, I mean, it's wonderful. Because you say, Jesus, wow, I can't change that. But I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And there is a righteous me now that I'm born again. There is a righteous me. And I can choose to live in that person. I can choose to live by the Spirit. Most people, when they find their sins, they hide. Most people hide their sins. Because we're embarrassed. Because then we're not a good person. And that's, that's the most painful thing. It's called shame, to find out you're not good. It's shameful. But if we allow Christ to cover our shame and to transform the source of that shame, we find a tre tremendous freedom. And the, the freedom that is the greatest freedom that we're all looking for is we find the freedom for intimacy. Intimacy with friends. Intimacy with God. Intimacy with other people. That's what we all want. That's why the romance stories, that's why everything is sold with romance and sex and relationships. Because that is the deepest desire of our heart, is to be close to other people. And sin will stop it. Sin will absolutely stop it. What happened in the Garden of Eden was they felt distanced from each other and from God because of sin. So if you want to reverse that, you've got to get rid of the sin. You got to get forgiveness, give forgiveness, and get rid. That's the whole problem we got is sin. That's what it is. So we're going to focus on one sin today. When I was uh, Stella and I were married about a year, and I had just gotten uh, at the same time as we got married, the Lord was revealing to me <coughs> a doctrine different than the one I grew up with, which was there were no such things as tongues, prophecy, miracles, and healings anymore. We didn't need them anymore because we had the Bible. That was taught that at Dallas Seminary with Paul. Paul didn't believe that. In fact, <coughs> no, he didn't. And you know what I told him? I told him, I said, Paul, I know you speak in tongues. I said, I think it's a demon. That's what I told him. <laughs> oh, yeah, I did. A year later, I asked that demon-possessed guy to lay hands on me so I could get the same thing. <laughs> but, yeah, he was very patient with me. He said, okay, I'll be careful, Gary. That's what he said. I'll be careful. Anyway, as <coughs> uh, I so I had just got a baptism of the Holy Spirit. Paul had just prayed for me to speak in tongues out in California, and we are now living in Dallas in in the homosexual bar area of East Dallas, a pretty seedy place. And but we'd met some women from across the hall, some Afro-American Pentecostal ladies, and uh, Raynell and Ethel. Yeah. And so we, we were just delighted to find some spirit-filled believers, you know, and they were just happy. And so they came over to our apartment one night, and I, I thought the Lord said, have a little meeting. So the four of us were sitting there, and I thought the Lord said, prophesy. And I, I was not familiar with prophecy. So I just started out. And I prayed for 
Raynell, I can't remember what it was, and I prayed for Ethel, and I said, the Lord would have you go back to your husband. Ooh, she did not like that prophecy. I, ooh, I went like that. And then I prophesied over my wife, you've got a wonderful husband, appreciate him. And then, <laughs> and then, and, and then, then surprise, yeah, that was the Lord. Then I, then, the amazing thing was, though, I felt like this. I went like that. I mean, it wasn't, auto I mean, I could have stopped it, but I felt like I ought to go like this. And I said, my son, you have a spirit of, pro of jealousy. Ooh. I had no idea that I was a jealous person. It is one of the most hidden sins there is. It is one of the most hidden sins because you don't have to tell anybody you're jealous. You don't, you don't have to show it. You just gossip about that person. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing how hidden it is, but I want to go through today and nail it in our lives. If, you, if you're sitting there and you have absolutely no jealousy in your life, I'm just going to be shocked. I think it touches everybody in this room. It is so common for many reasons. And so I want to look at the start of jealousy in the book of Genesis. If you've got a Bible or you've got a phone with you, I'm going to need a couple of people to read with me. So if you turn to Genesis 4, 1 through 7, this, the first jealous person was also the first murderer. And keep that in mind. The first jealous person was also the first murderer. This is a demonically empowered uh, sin. And this was the first thing that happened after the first sin. So it's really a seminal thought. God put it right. Here's what happens after Adam and Eve sin. Here's what happens. They have, a chil they have two children, one righteous and one self-righteous. So let's look. Genesis 4, 1, 7. Who could read that for me? Who's got it? Becca, come on. Where's your Bible? All right, good. Because Becca wasn't ready. All right. get, your, get your Bible. See, if I know your name, you're in trouble. <laughs> Go ahead. Wow, there's a lot in there. There's a lot in there. Who can tell me one thing they heard? Now, sometimes it's hard uh, to, to listen to somebody read. You, your mind kind of goes like this. I'll wait till they're done reading. There's a what? Oh, it's up here, too. Okay. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? You know, what he, this self-righteousness, it's, it's, it um, it's related to rejection. He felt rejected. You know why Cain felt rejected? Because he was rejected. That's right. A lot of our feelings of rejection comes because we're rejected. 
God wanted nothing to do with his self-righteousness. Why? Because it's death. It's not a connection with the life of God. God knows that the only way for people to live is to be connected with him. That's why we take communion. We've got his blood in us. We, we're living by the life of God. It's a reminder. It's like the tree of life. His life in us. That's what works. That's what's real life. Everything else leads to death and is death. So if you feel rejected, consider. Maybe I'm self-righteous. Maybe the things I'm doing aren't accepted. That's why I feel rejected. Rejection really comes from rejection a lot of times. It's amazing. So anyway, what else we got here? Um, and sin is just ready to jump on a person with rejection. It's just ready. It's got an excuse, just looking for an, a, another open door to, to go further, deeper into that person's life. Um, so anyway, I, what I want you to do is start drawing with me. So you got a guy there without any eyes on the left. That's Cain. Now I want you to write under, oh, first of all, put some vegetables under him. You can draw a pumpkin or a, a carrot. Just, just draw some vegetables. Because this man took care of a garden, and he had all kinds of things he thought he'd bring to God that he thought God would like. I'm a good musician. I'm a carpenter. I'm a cook. I'm a lawyer. All kinds of good things that he could do for God. And he was offering these things. I'll do this stuff for you, God. I'll give you this sacrifice. God was not pleased with it, interestingly. Not yet. Now, does God not want some vegetables? There are vegetable sacrifices in the Bible. There are grain sacrifices in the Bible. But this, the first sacrifice that needs to be made is what Abel did. So, but anyway, put man's works under the vegetable. Man's works. And above him, put faith in self. Now, Abel was a keeper of the sheep, it says. And Abel brought what did, what did Abel bring? What did, this is Abel here. What did Abel bring? A lamb. Now, if you don't talk to me, I'm going to point to people and pick them out. So <laughs> you got to talk to me a little bit. So he brought a lamb. Now, of course, that's what he did. He took care of lambs, so he brought a lamb. Which lamb did he bring? Which one? No, not, not no. Uh, it might have been. You might be right, but that's not what it says. And you know what? What I always want us to do is go back to the Bible, because you know what we do? We come with our ideas. Now I would have said that. What's your name? Luke. Yeah, Luke. I probably would have said that too. Well, he brought the best one. He brought, the, you know, he brought the fattest one. He brought the prettiest one. But that's not what the Bible says. Oh, that's what I would have said, too. But when you read the Bible, that's not what the Bible says. About the first one. What's the, what's the point? Giving God the first. The, your tithe. Whatever. You give him first. You give him the first part of your day. You make sure you talk to him first. It's the first. He wants us to acknowledge him first. And the first thing we need to know is that we are a sinner dependent on a gracious God. We need a blood sacrifice. We need Jesus first. We need first. First fruits. He brought the first. And it was a lamb. So put a, put a, put a first on that lamb. 
put a first. And then put a cross on the lamb, too, because, because that lamb represented Christ. And in the middle, we've got a Bible verse that's a memory verse. That's why it's got a star by it. And so right in that, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It's a pretty easy one to memorize, but that's what saved Adam and Eve. God killed from the flock and made them a clothing that was permanent. The leaves were not going to last. That was their own works again. Again, it's the works of man, man's pride in his own works against the life of God going through you. So man's works. Under, uh, under uh, Abel, on the right-hand side, on the, the box below, put God's sacrifice. Write the word sacrifice. And then, and then uh, Abel, is, Abel is looking to God. He's obviously listening to what God, so he's looking up at God. But who's Cain looking at? Who do you think he's looking at? That's right. And I want you to put some eyes like this. Put some eyes on like that. Okay? Those are jealous eyes. And you don't have a green pen like I got, but you can put a little. And he is not happy. He's angry. And it's jealousy that's at the bottom of it. Much of our anger comes from jealousy. We wouldn't want to call it jealous because we're mad at those people sometimes. Or we're critical or judgmental of them. I want us to look up a few Bible verses. Uh, so if, you, if you've got a Bible with you, please take it out, because I'm going to need a few people to help me. So it's, no, it's man's, man's works, God's sacrifice. We put, could put God's work, too. Man's works, yep. And over the lamb, put a big X. He killed that lamb. Just put a big X. He killed it. And also by, um, put this, put the key, put a key by him. The key means faith. A lot of people think God w works automatically he, because he's sovereign. I, I hope that among the group here, we believe in the absolute sovereignty of God, which would make you a Calvinist. I also hope that you all believe that it's your responsibility to get a hold of the sovereign God, which means you're an Arminian. <laughs> so the idea is that God makes a sovereign promise, but it takes the free will of man to open that door of promise. If you take no actions, you will not experience. If you're a passive person, you'll wonder why Christianity doesn't work. And it's your passivity, and it's not putting the key of faith into the promises of God to open that door. You must take action. I like to say it this way. The sovereign hand of God is waiting for the free will of man to move it. <laughs> so, you've got, so he's got that. He 
chose to realize he was a sinner and needed a blood sacrifice for the death sentence on him. So he was a happy camper, too. Notice there it's law versus grace, works versus, in the middle, works versus faith, self-righteousness versus real righteousness, jealousy, spelled wrong. I can't believe that. Oh, my goodness. I'm glad I'm going over this thing here. Wow. Jealousy. Oh, my goodness. Oh, man. Okay. And, and, and the other one's blessed. And then persecuted, persecute versus persecuted. By the way, this is the first persecution that ever took place, man against man. And this is the same persecution that ISIS is doing right now. It's in every country. It's why the Jews were hated. It's because of jealousy. The Jews have more, um, no more, more Nobel Peace Prizes. No more, they've got more of everything than anybody. And they've got like, uh, they've got 2,000% of the uh, Nobel awards, 2,000% more than they should have. It's just crazy how many things they've invented, how many things come out of Tel Aviv. They've got more things coming out of Tel Aviv than any other country except for America. It is amazing. They, the people around the world are jealous of the Jews. And they don't even know it's jealousy because it's a spirit. It's a spirit that's against God. It's the worldly spirit that doesn't want anything that God is behind to prosper. So I want us to look up a couple passages. Um, first of all, Genesis 26, 12 through 14. I'm going to read several of them together. So who will look up Genesis 26, 14 through? Okay, right up here, Ann, right? Okay, you hold on to that. Genesis 26, 12 through 14. Who will look up um, Matthew 27, 18? Okay. Who will look up Psalm 68, 16? You got that, Larissa? Psalm? Larissa, Psalm 68, 16. 68, 16. Genesis 34, 14. Okay, over here. Um, Acts 7, 9. Okay, 1 Corinthians 13, 4. No more? I'm running out. Okay. Uh, Psalm 106, 16. Okay, Psalm 106, 16. James 2. Okay. And, uh, I, I don't have that verse there, so look for where it brings up the word envy or jealousy. Matthew 20:15. And that's all. I want us just to fire these off. I don't care what. Raise your hand, I'll call on you, and we'll all just listen to what's said, okay? Yes. You're going to do one? Matthew uh, 20:15. What's your first name again? Carol. Carol. Okay, Carol. All right. So just raise your hand. When you get it now, you got one, go ahead and raise I don't care what order they're in. Okay, right here. Real loudly. When men in the camp were jealous of Moses and Aaron, the holy one of the Lord, the earth opened and swallowed them. Oh. I don't think I want to be jealous of Moses and Aaron. Why were they jealous? 
because he was leader. You want to be the leader, and you're not the leader. What happens usually? Often, the number two person splits the church, takes off with a bunch of people. I tell you what, jealousy is the source of so many divisions and problems. It's incredible. But they never say it was jealousy. They'll find something wrong with the senior person. And it's easy to do. It is easy to do to find anything wrong with the leader. Because all of the leader's faults filter down, just like all of the blessings. So everybody knows. Everybody can feel it and see it. When you're a leader, you're exposed. It's easy to criticize a leader. It is easy. You're not smart because you can see something wrong with the leader. That doesn't make you smart. You may feel smart. You may talk about it. And sometimes they, it needs to be talked about. Sometimes there needs to be a reproof. But usually, it's jealousy because we're not leading. And we're not getting attention. It happens in marriages. Wives, believe it or not, are sometimes jealous of their husbands. And it causes division. I think if you really look at, you know, if we're really willing to let the Holy Spirit put his finger on our sin of jealousy, there's going to be an incredible amount of freedom in our lives by the end of this. Uh, give me another one. Isaac planted crops in that land, and the same year reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. The man became rich, and his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. He had so many flocks and herds of servants that the Philistines envied him. You got any rich friends? Bless them. Ask God to give them some more. Jealousy sneaks in. How come she's able to buy new shoes and I gotta wear these tennis shoes? And how come, how come he could buy a new car, God? I'm holier than he is. How come? How come? How come? When people Yeah. No, it doesn't. Right. But he does, he does make a problem. Here's the thing about the Bible. If you don't know the Spirit of God, you cannot interpret the Bible or interpret circumstances. If you just know the Bible, that's not enough. You've got to know the Spirit of God because sometimes it, God, God makes a promise, if you do this, I'll bless you. So we can know we're going to be blessed. It might come after, like Joseph, after a lot of persecution. But we will be blessed. So we've got to have a confidence that if we follow the word of God, we will be blessed. And it may not be yet. That, may, that person's getting their blessing. Well, praise God. They got it earlier than me, but mine's coming. So we've got to have confidence in that at the same time. All right, good. Another one. Yeah, read it. Therefore, when they had gathered together, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release to you? Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew that they handed him, Jesus, over to become the Romans. Look at this. I mean, envy just goes right through the scriptures. Why did they kill Jesus? Because they were jealous of him. Isn't that something? They saw him raise the dead. Those people knew that Lazarus was raised from the dead. 
And you know what they said? <coughs> we got to kill him. <laughs> we got to kill him and him. Because they were jealous. They wanted people to follow them. They wanted people to honor them. And that's what we want. We want attention. We want honor. We want all kinds of that. Me, 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 me. And when we don't get it, and somebody else does, there'll be jealousy in our hearts, and we'll get a murderous spirit. Now that murderous spirit maybe will not take a knife, but we'll wish that someone else did. <laughs> we'll want evil to come to them. We'll want them to fail. We'll want them to lose some money. We'll want them to have problems in their marriage. We'll want them. I mean, the secret desires that come from jealousy are horrendous. You know how I know this? Because I have the spirit of jealousy. And I, one time, I was jealous of a good friend of mine, uh, Dan Hall. I've got about five good friends that I go and tell anything to. And Paul's one, of course, and Dan's another one. And Dan's a um, state senator now. He used to be a, my assistant. Um, he, wouldn't, he didn't like that assistant thing. He'd call it, he'd say something else. But he was my assistant pastor. <laughs> We're good friends. And then he got his own church, smaller church. And I, I perceived that Dan did not work as hard as I did. I was a harder worker. And uh, this is my perception. And I had more people in my church. But his people, I needed a car, but his people collected $10,000 from a small church, not a whole lot bigger than this, $10,000, and bought him a van. I just, I was so jealous of that. I thought, why don't my people do something like that? I need a car. And what's that? Oh, yeah, it's great, yeah. Let's, let's hear some of your honesty, huh? <laughs> you think it's so good. <laughs> I got too many. That's great when it's 30 years ago, you know. And can, yeah, but yesterday, that's a harder one. So anyway, um, and then... Uh, and I just, I, then I really, see, I knew I had a spirit of jealousy, so I worked on it, you know. I said, oh, God, oh, bless him. Bless him. Sure enough, God blessed him. Got a house with a swimming pool. And, I mean, just amazing physical blessings on this guy, you know. Just, and he didn't have a salary, but things just kept piling to him, you know. Yeah, yeah. And one time, and th this happened three times, I won't give you all the instances, but he kept on getting these cars. And the last one, the last one, so I, I just kept, you know, saying, okay, God bless him. And then God gave me a car each time. The last time, my, my van was, uh, my kids had brought my van. One had smashed the back, backed the van into a pole. And then he took it to the car wash and bashed in the sides of the, okay, now you can talk, right? He, he bashed in the sides, uh, uh, the, the doors on the side, and then my daughter borrowed it and smashed in the right fender. So this thing, I mean, we were still driving this thing around, and we went to a pastor's convention, and Dan had another new car. So I immediately thanked God for Dan's new car, and I went home like, oh, honey, we need a new car. We need a car. Dan's got a new car. Anyways, so... Uh, so I, um, I was sitting there one Sunday afternoon. I got a call and I said, this is uh, Gary, this is Peter, Peter White. I said, yeah. He said, 
I've got a van for sale. I said, really? Yeah, it's a 15-passenger with captain's chairs. It's all in captain's chairs. It was a nice one. And it was the exact color that I'd seen one time years ago, and I said, God, I want a car of that color sometime. It was tan and blue, those old tan and blue Dodges. No, no. I said, he said, he said, I want to sell it from between two and eight thousand dollars. It was worth about ten. I said, Oh, really? Between two and eight? That's good prices. <laughs> he said, Yeah. I offered it to Dan Hall, but he said he saw you needed one. I said, Jesus, I'm glad I thank God for because <laughs> just think, just think the little things in our life that don't go right because of jealousy. Do you think that God would have sent that call to me if I had not thanked God? I, I don't know, but I know I was glad I did it. I think jealousy cuts off the blessings of God. Draw some more. Anyway, now we're going to read some more verses. Um, what's that? And I got the van for $2,000. I loved it. Yeah, yeah. And, and since that, what's that? Yeah, oh, I, I might say, since that time, I've been given limousines. So I, it's like there's been a breakthrough. So I've been given four limousines now. <laughs> Old limousines, true. But they're still limos. <laughs> and I'm not allowed to do what I'm doing with nothing else to do. Or do you just my generosity? Okay, and it says there are... Another verse says, or are you envious because of my generosity? Yeah, there it is. Don't I have the right to do it? It's God talking. Because he gave people the same pay. He said, look, are you jealous? I'm, I, you know, no, I can do what I want. Don't get jealous because I bless somebody else. I'm God. Don't get envious. And God is testing us. A lot of times God's testing us by what he gives to other people, what he does for other people. Oh man, she's got a boyfriend. I've been praying and I've been living a pure life and da 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 da, da and nobody's showed up yet. For I mean, there's so many scenarios where this fits. I see some people smiling. Okay. I won't point them out though. All right. Another verse. Say a little bit louder, honey. All right, good. Why gaze and envy you, rugged mountain, at the mountain where God chooses terrain, where the Lord himself will dwell forever? Who knows what that's talking about? All the mountains of the world. Mountains stand for, by the way, if you have never had a study on symbolism in the Bible, do it, because the Bible will come alive for you. Mountains represent governments and sources of strength. The mountain of the Lord is Zion. It's the it's the place where Christians and Jews will dwell under the covering of God, under the government of God, Mount Zion. And th that's where the Lord's going to dwell. And all the other mountains are going to be jealous. All other authorities are going to be jealous. Herod didn't want Jesus to come and reign. He was jealous of another king coming. And all of the world will be jealous for the Jews and the Christians. That's why we need to get ready for persecution in America. It's at our shores. It'll wash over at some point very soon, right? But we need to be ready and understanding both this persecution where it comes from, because we'll feel the favor of God. We'll say, Man, it's because God favors me that this is coming upon me. 
All right. Are there any more scriptures that we didn't get? I think I don't think I got Joseph. Did we? You got it. All right. Okay, here's a favored son. Here's a favored son, favored by the father and by God, and all the brothers were envious of him. That was their great sin. That led to potential murder, but sold him as a slave instead. I tell you what, again and again and again, envy and jealousy is at the base of dastardly deeds and substandard living and cutting off the blessing of God in your life. In my life. Any more? Yeah. When we, when we get persecuted, if we stand strong, when envious people are somehow trying to destroy us or be jealous of us, God will bless us more. It will, it, it will be a, an occasion for advancement if we don't resent and get back at Okay, any more? Is that all of them? Okay, number two, somebody read Genesis 4, 8 through 10 for me. Well, we, we maybe already read that. Okay, read 4, 8 through 10. Abel was a happy guy. I can't imagine this confrontation. The only only children in the on the earth, and one kills the other one. So put a big X. Put a big X over Cain. Excuse me, over Abel. And somebody read for me, John, 1 John three, twelve and thirteen. Okay, do it. Not as children who are but religious <coughs> But this is the message that you have heard already, that we should love one another. Not as children who are of the wicked one, murdered his brother. And why do we live in him? Because his works are evil and his brother is righteous. There you go. Go ahead. Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. Isn't that something? I mean, it's such a clear principle that, to me, is under the wire of most of us Christians. It is so pervasive. It is so destructive. It is so secret, that sin. It is so secret. She looks prettier than me. How come I wasn't built a stronger, bigger guy? I mean, it just goes on and on and on. And it's a lack of appreciation for what God has and wants to give us. 
Let's go to figure three here. Um, put some arrows uh, coming down on Cain, and then read, somebody read Genesis 4, 11 through 15. Genesis 4, 11. Yeah, put, yeah, put on, um, put on Cain here. Put some arrows coming down, because God's going to curse him. An envious person is going to get cursed instead of blessed. So if you see curses coming on your life, and why me, why me, why me? It could be because you're following the Lord, but then you'd know that. Because that, that'll, that'll get persecution. It'll feel like curses sometimes. So both people get in trouble. I mean, if you're good, you get in trouble. If you're bad, you get in trouble. But one trouble has an end in blessing. The other one has an end in death and cursing and loss. So put some arrows coming down on his head and then read for me Genesis 4, 11 through 15. Is that the end? That's or 15? 15. 15. But the Lord said to him, not so. Anyone who kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. Okay, and put some wandering marks after Cain because he was going to be a wanderer, so just do something like that to the right of Cain. He really lost a place. He, he, he doesn't have a home in the sense of I belong here. Uh, a sense of not belonging any place, and some of you have that sense. And just ask yourself, am I jealous? I don't feel like I belong. Is, is, do I have a problem with jealousy? Because the Bible says he puts the solitary in families. That doesn't mean you'll have your own family, but it means you'll have a, a cadre of people that are close-knit for you. It says he puts the solitary in families, and only the rebellious dwell in a parched land. So God promises closeness to all of, for all of us. Uh, that may be after a period of time, but the ultimate end will be closeness with others. Okay, and Seth is that uh, other figure over there. Uh, Adam knew Eve, his wife again, verse uh, chapter 4, verse 25. I'll just quote that. And conceived a son, and it was Seth. Now on Seth, put a number 2 on his forehead. For number two on his forehead, on Seth's forehead. And I want you to put um, little drops, like raindrops coming down on him like this. And that's a sign of God's blessing. So just put blessings coming on Seth because he is, God is always going to have a person of faith. Put another key by Seth there, just to the right of Seth. Put a key because he inherited the seed of faith. God is always going to, if one person doesn't receive the blessing of God, he's going to give it to another person. And it will not be to the jealous person. Cain was the only one left, but God still didn't bless him, even though he was the only one left. He just got another person and blessed him. 
Okay, so the summary of the whole lesson here. Number, now to number four. Down at the bottom of the page, there's a little circle with a point in the middle. This is the point of the lesson. Righteousness of God. Put righteousness of God. And you see the blessings coming down? Your, does your book have uh, drops coming down on that? No? Okay, put some blessing drops coming on that righteousness. Just a bunch of blessing above the word righteousness. God's blessings are on his righteousness. And the righteousness and blessing of God leads to the jealousy of man. So put jealousy of man and put curses coming down on those jealous eyes. So on the bottom you'll read, righteousness of God leads to jealousy of man. And that leads to the persecution of the righteous. And put persecution arrows, and those are arrows that would go from on a horizontal level. Like that. <clears throat> so you have just arrows like that above persecution. And then first, 2 Timothy 3.12, and oh wow, I'm over time. Um, we'll finish up quickly. I just got to pull it together. Um, sorry, I wasn't even watching it. Second uh, Timothy 3.12, if you'd read that. Second Timothy 3.12, okay? We will eventually suffer persecution if you live righteously. All. People will be jealous of you. They'll talk behind your back. All these kind of things. Okay, quickly, how to reverse this. Number one, rejoice with those who rejoice. Be glad when people are blessed. Be happy for them from your heart, knowing that God has blessings for you that might be different than their blessings. I one time thought I wanted to be a pastor of 8,000 member church. You know, I was pushing to really grow the church, grow the church. And that didn't happen for me. And now I look at people that have a big church, and I thought, oh, I would not want that. They don't have a life of their own. I'm so free. I love doing what I do. I invent things. I take my wife for breakfast every week. I, I got all kinds of freedom. And I wouldn't want that. And sometimes we're jealous of people because of the admiration that they get from other people. But you wouldn't want to be there. Many times you would not want that. It doesn't fit you. It doesn't fit your gift set or your real heart's desire. But you're just looking at them. So, so be happy for other people, what they're doing, and look to the Lord for what he has for you. Believe that God loves you. When you're jealous of somebody else, believe that God loves you. And focus on the love he has for you and what he has for you. And be thankful. So I, I summarize it this way. Recognize your sin of jealousy, repent from it, and rejoice both for the other person and for what God has for you. And then for the persecution, Paul and Jesus both warned everybody that came after him, persecution's coming. So I'm just going to do that one thing. Persecution is coming. And simply understanding that is the kind of preparation 
that God gave. And he said, keep your lamps burning. In other words, don't relax. You're in a spiritual warfare. It will break out on different fronts. Keep your lamps burning. Be the virgins who are ready, not just for the wedding feast, but for what precedes that too. Let me close in prayer. Father, I pray that you would put your finger on our jealousies, even right now. People we're jealous of, by the way, they're the ones that you're close to usually. Either they're over you at work, or they're like you, or they're your sister, or somebody that seems to be getting more, more attention, more blessing, whatever. Might be married to the person. But let God put his finger on it because it's hurting you. And God wants you to know his love for you, the blessings he has for you. And we're cutting off his supply by being jealous. He cannot bless that jealousy. He's a righteous God. Lord, we thank you that our righteousness comes from you. Cleanse us of self-righteousness. Put your finger on on that, so that we're not jealous with that being the foundation of it, our self-righteousness. Use us, Father. We want to be used, and we want to be close to you and to others. Please, please, help us with jealousy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.